0: All right, thank you, Jesse and Emily, and appreciate that good song in Scripture as well as in in sound, okay? Appreciate that so very much. Our text is Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 17, Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 17, and a sermon that I have titled, The Dunk by Jordan, okay? Some of you guys uh, remember Michael Jordan, it's not him, but... uh, Kind of remind me, though, of a story that uh, things are not what you think they're going to be. There's not what you had expected. A mother was anxiously waiting for her daughter's uh, coming in from her airplane. Uh, she'd been in a faraway land out seeking adventure. And, and so she was coming back. And as she entered the airport, the mother was there to meet her, and she noticed behind her, was this man. He, he, he was dressed in feathers. He had these exotic markings all over his body, and beside him he's carrying a shrunken head. And the daughter goes up and to, her mo- to her mother and introduces the man as her husband. The, daughter be- the mother begins to gasp and just about passes out. She, she's, I mean, she's very weak. She's wondering, why, why, why? And then it dawned on her. She said, sweetheart, I said, marry a rich doctor, a rich doctor, okay? (laughs) Wake him up beside you and tell him what that meant, okay? (laughs) Just a little insight on that. My mother-in-law thought Janice did worse than that, but... uh, Janice didn't find out till after she married me. She did worse than that. Okay. Let's get on here now with our text. Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. Then comes Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee. And comest thou to me? And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. And lo, the heavens were opened unto him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Now shall we pray. Father, what an interesting thing that at baptism, the Father God, His voice is heard when He says, Thou art my beloved Son whom I am well pleased. And baptism, and fulfilling this righteousness... Just move the Father of God for his voice to be heard. And Father, this is something that is an ordinance that you have given for this New Testament church age in which we live. And so, Father, help us to be careful and to be just to be right. We don't want to mislead anyone. We want to speak the truth as it is to men as they are. And again, if there's one without Christ today, may today be the very day they come and receive Christ as their Savior in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Of course, the dunk by Jordan is probably not what uh, some people might have been expecting uh, coming in here today. But uh, this is a message from the Word of God. And one can see in verse 14 as he looks there that yes, Jesus is going to Jordan to be baptized. He's going to be baptized by John the Baptist, not Mike the Methodist, okay? And so he's going to be there. But, you know, sometimes you might think, well, that's kind of irreverent to use the word dunk for baptism. But actually, the word dunk pretty well describes what baptism is. The word Baptism comes from the Greek word baptizo, which means to dunk, to to immerse. Now, I know Michael Jordan could dunk a ball through a basket. That was fine, but that's not really what a dunk is, because that ball, when it goes through, it's not coming back up. Uh, Dunkin' Donuts, you've read about that. They're going to just call themselves Dunkin'. Why? Because you dunk the donut in the coffee, okay, but you bring it back up. When we come into Christ, we're dying to sin and self, but we're raising to walk in the newness of life. We're showing what Christ did for us. He died on the cross. He was buried and rose from the dead. That's why we baptize by immersion the way we do in this baptistry. As a matter of fact, in the first 1,000 years of church history, you'll find that most of uh, the Catholics, all of them, all of them baptized by immersion. It wasn't until later that some of them started going, That well, everybody else is doing it. We might as well do it too. And that wasn't the Bible way. It doesn't picture anything else uh, if we don't do God's way. And so that's why we have it and we're still that way today. Now there are three things that I want you to see from this text. First of all, I want you to see the reluctance on the part of John the Baptist to baptize Jesus. John knew who he was baptizing. In John 1, 29, the very next day, he says to a couple of his disciples that are there with John, he says, Behold, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. He was pointing at Jesus and looking at Jesus as he was walking by, and he told them, this is the Lamb of God. This is the one that's going to take away the sin of the world. This was Almighty God who was coming in the flesh that was coming to him. He is the one that that day back in the garden. When God told Eve that her seed would bruise his head. This is that seed now that's bruising his head. And it's being fulfilled in front of them. Over 4,000 years later in front of them they're seeing a fulfillment that was made in Genesis 3.15 of a prophecy. The Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. He is the one who was in the form of God. But thought it not robbery to be equal with God. But made himself of no reputation. Philippians 2 tells us. This is the one who was the word made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten the Father. Full of grace and truth. What do you mean by that? Well, in John 1, 1, he said, and the Word was made flesh. Or John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This is God. The Word is God. And then he says, the Word was made flesh in verse 14. Verse 18. No man has seen God at any time, but the only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. Now, you think about that. Jesus come to this earth, He came to this earth to show us God. To pay our penalty for sin and to ensure salvation for our lost souls. He did that for you, He did that for me, He did it for all of us. This was God come in the flesh. John chapter 4, verse 24 says that God is a spirit and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. So what I want you to understand is that John knew who he was baptizing. He knew who this was coming to him. He realized this is the high and holy one. And John the Baptist knew, I'm not worthy to baptize this one. Although Jesus said of John the Baptist, among men, there's not a greater than John the Baptist. And John the Baptist knew that he was not worthy to baptize Jesus Christ. Just to give you an illustration of that, many of you remember Barry Bonds. He hit the most home runs in one season. Now, they talk about the other things, the steroids and all that, but putting that aside, Barry Bonds hit 73 home runs in one season. But imagine that season back then. I believe he played for the San Francisco Giants, but imagine him playing for the San Francisco Giants, The season, he hit 73 home runs. And and somehow or another, I got invited to the game. Not only in the game, but they gave me a uniform to sit in the bench there right in the dugout. It's the bottom of the ninth. His team is one run behind. There are two outs, and there's a man on base, and Barry Bonds is getting ready to come up to bat. And the manager says, Bonds, sit down. Bloom's going to bat for you. Don't laugh at that. Okay. Of course, after the game, the manager's fired. But um, as crazy as that sounds, I am more worthy to pinch it for Barry Bonds than John the Baptist was to baptize the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm trying to give you an idea of the... Lord Jesus Christ, who he is. He is God come in the flesh. Today, men like to make Jesus a cool dude. They speak arrogantly about him. Even when they pray, they pray as if he is some kind of a reckless person. They even pray in some ways trying to order him around. Too often we've made the house of God a house of merchandise. We're trying to entertain people. But you know what? His house is the place to worship God. And as a matter of fact, in that idea of, of worship, it, in that idea of, of worship, it, it has the idea of reverence reverencing the name of Jesus Christ. And by the way, that is the precious name, and it is so sweet. This was the one that John the Baptist was baptizing. By the way, let me just point out at this juncture, I have never been superior to anyone I've ever baptized. I'm a sinner saved by grace. And those that are baptized are sinners saved by grace. Let's not exalt ourselves. Now, I believe it's a shame uh, the way we treat Jesus today, especially in his house. Modesty is gone. Dressing nicely, it doesn't have to be expensive dressing. But it does need to be modest as he would want. It would be good to show respect for the house of God once again. And by that, and hold on to your seat, but ladies, don't dress in the attire of a harlot to go to God's house. Don't dress as that slutty lady does. Come and dress as if you're going to the gym to work out. Acting as if our comfort is more important than reverencing him. Now, I've heard people say, Well, I don't go to church because it's just a fashion show. I grew up in a pastor's home. I've been pastoring over 40 years. I have never seen a church advertise. You'll want to come to this church. We have a great fashion show. I've never seen that yet. Because people dress up. They come to God's house out of respect for God. They they call it a fashion show. You go into a court of law today and... uh, that, that lawyer's not in a suit. That lady's not dressed properly. She's in trouble. He's in trouble. Should we reverence a judge more than we do the judge of the universe? Should we reverence uh, uh, this uh, way of, of thought today more than we reverence God and His holiness? Of course not. Of course not. It's not a passion show. Now, you say, well, preacher... This is incidental what you're talking about. No, friend. I'm not talking about expensive dressing. I'm not talking about sloppy dressing. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about reverence for God in his house. As I said, uh, some guy may not be able to afford much in the way of nice suits and things like that. But they can dress up to go to God's house. A nice shirt. Don't come in... Uh, a way that says, oh, I'm going to a ball game. I don't think you dress that way to go to a wedding. I don't think you want me to dress that way to preach your mother's funeral. So why would we give God less respect? We need to learn to treat him with reverence. He's a holy God. Let's not compare him to drugs. Get high on Jesus. That is a slap in the face of Jesus Christ. Don't compare him to sexual activity. Well, get turned on to Jesus. No, don't, don't, don't use Jesus that way. He's a holy God. He's a high God. He is to be exalted above all, but he's to be reverenced. Now, some people will not be capable to understand that. And that's not speaking of their intellectual level. I'm just saying that they have no clue because they're deceived by Satan and they lack the spiritual understanding because Satan parades as an angel of light. 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 2 says, Even of Christians, many, their conscience gets seared. Let's learn to respect God and let's uh, treat him as the high and holy God that he is. But I'm just saying all that to say, I understand why John the Baptist was reluctant to baptize Jesus. The reason for the baptism of Jesus is found in verses 15 and 16 of our text. As we look at that reason, keep it in mind, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. We see Jesus... Answering the why of John the Baptist. Why would he baptize him? Why should I baptize you? You're coming to me and and, and I need to be baptized of you. Why are you doing this? It's not because John is worthy. But rather it's because Jesus has come to fulfill all righteousness. That's the purpose is to fulfill all righteousness. In Philippians 2 verse 3, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. What was in the mind of Christ Jesus? To fulfill all righteousness. 1 John 2 6, he that saith, he abideth in him ought also to walk even as he walked. How did he walk? He fulfilled all righteousness. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 21, for even here and too were ye called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example That ye should follow his steps. What were those steps? And that righteousness is found in the word of God. Understanding the word righteousness is found in the word of God. Understanding the word righteousness has the idea of obeying God. It's that simple. That simple. Almighty God in the person of Christ was setting an example. For you and for me. And that was to fulfill all righteousness. Christ, Jesus himself called getting baptized, fulfilling righteousness. Now that brings a question. Did getting baptized save the soul of Jesus Christ? Well, of course not. Getting baptized doesn't doesn't save anybody's soul. Get that out of your mind. It doesn't baptize, uh, baptizing doesn't save anybody's soul. But he came, Hebrews 10 and verse 7, to do thy will, O God. My first church that I was pastoring, there was a man that, uh, uh, I had started coming to our church and nice fellow and all that. Got to talk to him a few times and he said, Pastor, I'd like to take you out for lunch one day. I said, great. Now, in our conversations that we'd had in those times before, I found out that he liked three preachers. Jack Howells, Lee Robertson, and John R. Rice. Now, all three of those are with the Lord now. But boy, back then, man, those were, those were the men. You know, those were the preachers. And boy, they, they, they just loved these. He loved these guys. And, and uh, he, he would always mention them, talk about them and the blessing they were to him, his heart. So we're out eating, and he says, Pastor, do you know who you remind me of? Now, immediately, I'm thinking of those three guys, and I'm saying, now, I've got to come up with something good and humble. And so I'm thinking, now, don't compare me to those guys. They're Oh, those are great men. I'd never compare, and I don't, but I I was going to say that. You know, try to be as humble as I could and say that to him. I already had that in my mind. And I said, no, who? He said, Dick Van Dyke. I about tripped over the ottoman, okay? So, I was taken aback by that. I was not expecting that, that, that uh, statement. That, I mean, that just caught me off guard altogether. I believe that some people are going to be standing at the white throne judgment of God and find out that their baptism did not save them. Oh, I'm not worthy to baptize Jesus. John was not worthy to baptize Jesus. It takes more than baptism, however, to get us to heaven. And if you're depending on baptism to get to heaven, you won't make it. But Jesus told John the Baptist, suffer it. That means allow it. Allow it to happen. Uh, Do it now because this is righteousness and I want to fulfill all righteousness. The very first command after you get saved is to be baptized. In other words, if you want to uh, set a good example to the world, when you get saved, obey the very first command that God gives us, and the very first command after your salvation is baptism. In Romans chapter 6, verses 4 through 6, Therefore we are buried With him by baptism into death, like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of uh, sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. He's just saying, All right, here's what baptism does. It shows what Christ did for you. He died. He was buried. He rose from the dead. But it's showing that, you know what? My sin was on him when he died. All my sin I ever have or ever will commit was on him. So when he died, my sin was buried with him. Now I'm risen to walk with Jesus Christ. When we baptize somebody up there, you always hear me say, buried with him in baptism, risen to walk in newness of life. And my friend, that's what it's about. That's what about. we are showing. We're showing our identification with Jesus Christ. We're showing that we're not ashamed of it. And it's showing what Christ did for us. Sergei Kordikov was a Russian KGB agent. His job was to lead as a group of men and find those that were holding secret church services. And they'd drag them off to jail. They'd beat them and everything else. One time, he found a group. They found a group that was baptizing. Out in a stream. They got out there, beat half of them. The preacher, they beat him so bad that they saw his body float down the stream and they made a joke out of it. It cost those people something to go through with this baptism and they knew going in that it was going to cost them something if they got caught. In the New Testament, people were baptized, it wasn't inside a church building usually. And publicly, it identified them with Jesus Christ. That made them march for persecution. Not as it is today, where we get baptized in the church, and nobody says anything. You realize back in the day, as a matter of fact, back during the, what we call the Reformation under Martin Luther, even Lutherans were killing Baptists that got saved... And got baptized. They were killing them. When they found them having a baptism service. They would sometimes hold them under until they drowned. They hated that doctrine of baptism. Catholics did it. Lutherans did it. Other groups did it. We are called Baptists. Not because it sounded like a good name. But the the Catholic Church actually called us Baptists. They called us Anabaptists. Rebaptizers. What it means is this. It means that you get baptized after your salvation, not before. That, that, you say, I got baptized as a baby. Well, then, that's good. You got wet. Although, you didn't get baptized. One of the reasons Catholics stopped it, they kept drowning babies. That's, that's true. They drowned too many babies. They decided they had to come up with something else, so they sprinkled them. But isn't it, isn't it ridiculous? Isn't it ridiculous that here we are, We say, I want to be saved from my sin and I want to serve Jesus Christ in the very first command after salvation is to be baptized. Why was he baptized before? Were he saved before? You got baptized? No, then you need to be baptized. Baptism comes after your salvation. In Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, it says, And Jesus spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. What is he to teach? The gospel, we see the same thing in Mark sixteen fifteen. He says, preach the gospel. He's to teach the gospel to all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost and teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. By the way, there are groups who go out witnessing and they win souls and then that's it. That's not the Great Commission. It's not fulfilling the Great Commission until secondly we baptize them and then thirdly we start teaching them. Then it's, fulfilled until then we've only done the work partially it'd be like somebody building the house and they build a room up and they said okay we're done where's the rest of the house well you know we got one room done we done we did one third of your house well we wouldn't accept that why do we expect God to accept something that we won't accept let's do God's will God's way Jesus wasn't giving this as an arbitrary command. He gave it as an identifying mark. To identify with him. Jesus died for us. He was buried. He rose from the dead. My friend, think of that. For us. He hung on a cross naked. Beaten. A bloody pulp. For our sin. At any time, he could have called 12 legions of angels, but he did not. And it's below our dignity to be baptized for somebody that did this for us. And to show our identification. See, some are right, well, if I'm up there, people are going to see my hair get wet. What are people going to think? Look. If you're getting baptized in church, most people will be rejoicing and praising the Lord. Uh, this is an ordinance of the church. Now, there's some people that won't stick around for Lord's Supper, and they won't stick around for baptism, which is a statement on what they think of the ordinances that God gave us. They are important. What they signify and picture is very important. It's important, God, to make the commandment, make the first commandment after salvation. My friend, if you've been saved but you've never been baptized, right now you're living in a disobedient life to the Lord. And for whatever reason you're not willing to be identified with Him, then you need to get that thing right with God. So, He came to fulfill all righteousness Why? That he might be an acceptable sacrifice for us. So that he'd be uh, without sin sacrifice. He came to do the will of the Father and to be uh, fulfilled all righteousness. And secondly, he came because he loves you and me. How can anyone say that he loves the one who died for their soul and fulfilled all righteousness for them? And then refuse the baptism that he's called us to do. It won't send a person to hell because they refused after their salvation to get baptized. But let me just say this and add this to it. There's another side of that. Some people think they get saved by being baptized. You can get baptized a thousand times. It won't get you to heaven. First church I pastored, I had a man in there that was a Mormon. He got baptized 47 times. But it wasn't until later he got saved. Look, Jesus, when he was on the cross, was dying for every sin you or I ever have or ever will commit. The devils actually believe that and they tremble about it. He was buried and he rose up bodily from the grave. That's why he took on a body. So that he could represent us in the death, burial and resurrection. And that as God he would also have the power to resurrect us. I like being identified with him. Somebody would love me so much that he would die. I mean... There are men, we honor our veterans who gave their life on the field fighting for their country. That's a noble thing to fight for. I wasn't a noble thing to die for. None of us are. But Jesus did because he loved us. But he gave you a free will and you can accept it or you can reject it and burn forever in the lake of fire. That's up to you. But I'm just telling you, God loves you. The Bible says he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's his heart. That's his heart. He wants you to repent and believe the gospel. Jesus in Mark chapter 1 went everywhere preaching, repent and believe. Repent and believe. Jesus said in Luke 13, 3, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish." He said, what is repentance? Does that mean I've... Okay, I got to quit this, got to quit that, got to quit this, got to quit that. No, you know what? You usually can't quit. You usually can't quit. You got to come to say, Jesus, I can't quit. Take it from me. That's what his blood was for. We sing the song, are you washed in the blood? Oh, yes. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunged beneath that flood. Lose all their guilty stains. Because when I turn to Jesus Christ and I say, I'm giving myself to you, it's the same kind of commitment. As a matter of fact, it's a stronger commitment than a man and a woman make to each other when they do the wedding vows. You decide to disagree with that. Well, you're disagreeing with the Bible because Ephesians 5.32, in talking about that, said, I speak of Christ in the church. Talking about individual believers. Christ died for us. He was buried and he rose from the dead. Christ died for us he was buried and he rose from the dead we mentioned the great commission we as Christians have responsibility every saved person has responsibility to take that message to the world but if you're not sure if you died today that heaven's your home and here you've heard it more and more and more and more and more not just one time you've heard it again and again and again And you're still not saved. You're worried about what people will think. What will that matter when you're burning in the lake of fire? And you'll find out that many people will respect it. But your sin is not greater than God's power to save you. But if you die without Christ one second after death, you're in the lake of fire forever. It is unpardonable. To die in unbelief, because He will not save you then. Behold, now is the accepted time. To, behold, now is the day of salvation. My friend, if you're not sure if you died today, that heaven's your home. I want to encourage you to come and receive Christ as your Savior. Let's bow our heads, please.